This is about the Apostles' Creed. And for those of you who may not know what the Creed is all about, this is something that is recited each and every Sunday in churches all across um, just the nation, the world, in every Methodist church, really. Um, they recite this. So it must mean it's important. But why? Is important. That's what we've been looking at uh, when we've been looking at this document. We've been talking about why it's important and what it means. And for the purpose of this series, we've been doing something that isn't really normal for us at the Ridge. We've been reciting this and affirming our faith together out loud. So I'm going to invite you to do that now. I want you all to stand up and warn your neighbor. Tell them we're about to talk out loud, okay? Let's stand up and we are going to affirm our faith together. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead." I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Man, y'all sound like such a, y'all actually sound like a real church. Listen to y'all. All right. Let me start by filling you in on where we've been the last couple of weeks. Just in case you've missed it, you can go back and catch up online. But message number one, we centered around why it's so important that we understand what we believe. Okay, why is it important that we talk about those foundational things of our faith? Okay, because what you ultimately believe will determine how you behave in life. Okay, in the message number two, we talked about God the Father. We talked about how He is powerful, and yet He's also personal. And we talked about how we weigh those two together. In the message number three, we centered on Jesus, His Son, and how the name of Jesus brings healing help, and hope. And then last week, we focused on the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit brings conviction, courage, counsel, and comfort. Now, if you missed any of those, you can go back and catch up. Today's message is going to go right along with where we are in the season. And since tomorrow is Halloween, and since we're probably going to be seeing some outfits of some mummies and zombies and people dressed up like they just came out of a coffin, I really wanted to focus on this last phrase. I believe... In the life everlasting, the resurrection of the body. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about life after death today, okay? We're going to be talking about eternity. And to get us into this topic, I have a joke. Are y'all ready for this? How many of y'all would like to hear my joke this morning? Let me see. All right, good. All right, I've got a few of you. Here we go. A fellow finds himself in front of the pearly gates. And St. Peter explains, you know, there are certain things that have to happen before you get into heaven. So Peter asks the man, do you know Jesus? And the guy answers no, and Peter just kind of sighs. So the man realizes he's in trouble, so he says, but I really was a great guy down on earth. In fact, one time I came out of a store, and I found this little old lady that was surrounded by this biker gang, and they had taken her purse, and they were shoving her around, and they were taunting her, and they were abusing her, so I got mad. And I threw my groceries down, and I fought through the crowd, and I got her purse back, and I helped her to her feet, and then I went up to the biggest baddest biker, and I told him how despicable and cowardly and mean he was, and then I spit in his face. And St. Peter looked at this guy, and he says, man, that's impressive. When did you do that? 
he said about five minutes ago. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, okay, I can tell. All right, I can tell that was kind of iffy. All right, okay. You can use that one if you want to. All right, your cheesy church joke of the day. Now, when I think about this topic of the resurrection, getting to heaven, of Jesus coming again, you know, I often think, how, how cool would it be if we could see into the future? I mean, wouldn't it be great to know what's going to happen next? Maybe not everything, but some things, right? In fact, let me ask you this question. If you could only see one thing in the future, what would you choose to see? Like, if you could look in the future, you could see one thing, what would it be? Maybe, like, what you're going to look like in 10 years, you know, 20 years. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe not. I don't know. Or how about this? If you could look in the future and see one thing, how many of y'all would want to see the winning lottery numbers? Let me see. Raise your hands. Winning lottery. Look at all those sinners in church. Look at (laughs) y'all. My hand's raised, too. (laughs) Uh, Who's going to win the Tennessee-Georgia game? How about that? Yeah? All right. I think I already know that one, though. But we don't know what the future holds. None of us. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen with the election. We don't know where the economy is heading. We don't know what ultimately is going to play out in our kids' lives or our grandkids' lives. We don't know if the Braves are going to be able to keep Swanson. We just don't know, right? But there are some things in our future that we can know for sure, that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I don't want to be a downer here, but we have to be prepared for it. Everyone in here at some point is going to die. Amen. Let's close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Um, Out of everything we don't know, right? We do know one thing. I hate to bring this up, right? I don't want to be a downer, but that's the truth. It's a fact of life. But what we do is we try to prolong death, right? We do those things in our life. There are people that like to work out, and they have these hard regimens that they work out to, and they do all these things. They just kill themselves trying to stay in shape, right? Speaking of crazy workouts, I actually saw that there was a yoga class on paddle boards out in the Chattahoochee. Have you seen this before? Yeah, uh, how, many of y'all, how many of y'all would fail at that and get wet very early? Yes, I can't even touch my toes on gra- dry ground, right? There's no way that's going to happen. But that, that's my point. Like we do, cra- that we do this stuff to try to keep ourselves healthy, right? We, we do all these workouts. We go to the doctor. But we can do whatever we want to, and we can try as hard as we want to. But one thing that we all have in common is that we're all going to move from this life into the next life, into eternity. It's inevitable. And you know what? Here's the deal. We don't really think about this a lot, right? And for good reason. Like, we we don't like to think about it, right? But maybe we should, right? Maybe we should think about the fact that this is a reality for us. In fact, it's kind of interesting that the creed says this at the very end. It's almost like the, 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 uh, the leaders in the church were like, we've got to make sure that this point is in here. We've got to close with this point because it is a reality that we do believe that there is something after death, right? That we do live for eternity. So maybe this is, needs to be something that we recite, that we keep in mind. Maybe we need to talk about it. Maybe it would be good for us to think about it every now and then. So to help us with this topic, I want us to look at a book in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5. This book's written by a guy named Paul. Some of you all are familiar with Paul's story and his amazing testimony. But Paul started churches, okay? And then after he would start a church, he would go and start another church. And then, you know, he was arrested later in life. But none of that prevented him uh, from writing the other churches that he started. So even if he would move on to another church, he would still write the church that he founded. Or even if he was in jail, he would still take time to write people or to write a church to, to kind of instruct them on what to do next or how to be a healthy church. And so we see this time and time again. And in 2 Corinthians, he's writing to the church in Corinth and he's teaching them about eternity. He's teaching them about this topic. He's teaching us. So what I want to do is I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, He starts off this way. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body. Now, let's just pause right here. What Paul starts out here when he talks about our bodies and this transition as we look towards death is that our body is like a tent. So let's talk about camping for a minute. How many of y'all like to go camping? Let me see. Raise your hands. Yes? Okay. How many of y'all, your idea of camping is staying in a three-star hotel and not a four-star? Okay, there you go. Um, We enjoyed going camping as a family, but when we went when the girls were little... We would take everything with us. I mean, I would have the coffee pot. I would have the laptop for movies. Like, it wasn't very primitive at all. But the tent, the tent is necessary, but it's not very durable, is it? No one really wants to be stuck in a tent when a storm comes because water water always finds a way. Nobody wants to get stuck in a monsoon in a tent. Tents are temporary. So scripture, what Paul does is he uses this illustration and he's like, your body is just like a tent. In other words, it's temporary. You're not meant to weather this world forever. It's not possible. In fact, the older we get, right, we're constantly reminded that our tent is eventually going to come down, right? We're working towards that fact. It's not going to last forever. So Paul continues this idea. He says this, but we will have a house in heaven. Okay, this is the promise, an eternal body that's made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Now, isn't this great? So the tent that we have right now is nothing compared to this home that's waiting for me that my body is going to be transformed into this everlasting body, a new body, a restored body in the life that is to come. Okay, but that eternal home is what's ahead. But for now, verse 2, he says this, but for now we grow weary in our present bodies. We, go, we grow weary in this. We long to put on heavenly bodies. We want that new clothing that, of that new body for we will put on a heavenly body. We will not just be spirits without bodies. You know, sometimes we have this idea of heaven being like these little, you know, little, I don't know, you know, large babies playing harps. And you're like, why would you want to go there? You know, like that, those kind of pictures. And it's not like you're going to be spirits floating around. No, what Paul is saying and what we are taught in Scripture is that we transform into this new heavenly body that's restored. But he goes on in verse 4. He says, but while we live in these earthly bodies, what we do is we groan and sigh. And let's just pause right here and just say, you know what? I think Paul is speaking from experience. I think we all know what this is like. In fact, some of us, the first thing we did when we got out of bed this morning is we groaned. 
right? And we stop. Why? Because, oh, it's getting harder, right? I remember when we had a church softball league, back when they were doing church softball leagues. Uh, we had so much fun. We had, a, we had a men's team, and then we had a co-ed team. And we were, I remember the very first time we ever fielded a team out there. Stu, Stuart remembers this. But we were all out there. We were so excited. But we were a bunch of older men at the time, and we were so excited for that first game. And then by the end of the game, we weren't as excited anymore because none of us stretched. Fred Landrum seized up on his way to home plate, didn't even make it. You know, like... It was ridiculous. We all had something pulled by the end of the game, right? Because why? Because we groan and we sigh. We're like, oh, these earthly bodies. We know what it's like to live with this temporary tent, to get hurt, to get sick, to have disease. I can't tell you how many people. It's great to see so many of you here, but I got texts all morning this morning of people that are sick. We get sick, and it's hard. We long for that glorified body. So that's where Paul takes us next. Skip down to verse 8. He says, rather, we put on our new bodies. That's what's going to happen. We're going to put on these new bodies so that these dying bodies are going to be swallowed up by life. So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please God. That's your goal in life is to bring glory to the Father because of the promises he has to save you. Because of what he's done for you. Because of that promise of eternity to be with him forever. You are meant to bring him glory. Verse 10. And you want to do that while you're here because we all have to stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done on this earthly body. I love how these verses say that life is going to be swallowed up. That we are going to be swallowed. The idea is this, this body, everything that we know right now, is just going to be swallowed up into something new. And the reason that's so comforting is because we know what it's like to struggle. We all know people. We know ourselves. Our own lives where we have struggled to live into this tent that we have here on earth. You know, if you're here last Sunday or... You're worshiping online. It was either last Sunday or two Sundays ago. I talked about my grandmother and battling cancer for over a decade. And it was hard because I watched her over this time as a young man. I watched her earthly tent little by little come down. But now I'm confident. I'm confident that she is in her heavenly home. And that she has been renewed with a new body in the presence of Christ, right? Because we know this is a promise for us. This is something that we believe in. This is something that we hold to be true. That I will have this new resurrected body in the presence of Christ. So you know what? This is good for us to remember and to keep it in mind. So, so what I want to do this morning, you, you got your message notes. We're going to fill in a couple of blanks. I want to talk about what it means you know, just to live with this idea of understanding that eternity is a reality. What does it mean for us when we say, I believe in the resurrection? What does that mean for us each and every day? Like, how can we live that out knowing that eternity for us is real? Point number one is this. Everyone is created for eternity. Everyone is created for eternity. If you got the Ridge app, you can um, follow along on the message notes there as well. We believe that everyone has been made for eternity. And that means, you know what that means? That means that we have to see people the way that God sees them. When God looks at his people, he sees someone with eternal worth. He created them, and he created them with a soul that's going to live with him forever. 
And the reason we know this is because all the way back in the book of Genesis, the Bible begins with the story of creation, and God says this. He says, let us make human beings. Okay, let's pause right here because we've been talking about this in the creed. But it already starts off with this plural nature of God. Who is God referring to when he talks about let us? You know how I said there is no word in Scripture that really is the Trinity, but yet we have this teaching of this idea of God being in three forms, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what this is right here, is God in three forms. Let us make human beings in our image. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? We have his thumbprint on our life. He has made us and he has created us to be eternal. Eternity is a part of the image of God that he shares with us, his creation. In fact, it says this in Ecclesiastes. I love this. It says, he, God, God has planted eternity within your heart. That's why you have this hole in your life that can't be filled by anything else other than God is because you have that imprint of God on your heart. You have been made with this soul that's gonna last for eternity. You were meant to be in a relationship with him, and until you figure that out, nothing is going to make sense at all in this life. You can know as much as you want. You can accomplish as much, but you will have no purpose until you understand that you were made by God for God for eternity to be with him. He has put that in us, eternity. So you know what that means? That means that everybody matters. Everybody matters to God. And this is so important to remember with everything we see online, with everything coming up in the election, every time we see this division happening around us, even within our churches, everyone matters to God. And everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, they should matter to us as well. Because we were all made for eternity. And you know what? You know what that means? That means that people need to know that there is an eternal home that's waiting for them. Like, people need to know that, yes, this, this earthly life it is rough. And the reason it's rough is because you're living with this tent in the monsoon of life, right? But there is hope that you have this eternal home with Christ. And people need to know that. And there's nothing better. There's nothing better than sharing with somebody. And having them understand and realize that eternity is real and that they were meant to be with God. So everyone was created for eternity. Number two, we have to, when we're thinking about living out this idea that eternity is real, number two, we've got to make eternal investments, okay? One of the greatest ways that we can live with eternity in mind is making sure that we're constantly investing in things that are going to last for eternity, right? So the, the older I get, the more I start thinking, what am I going to do with the time I have left? You know, it's kind of funny. When I was in college or when I was in high school, I didn't really think about the end of life, right? And neither did you. But the older you get, you more, the more you start to think about it, right? You, you start to think about what's happening next, and you start thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm running out of time. I don't have as much time left. So I've got to make every opportunity count while I'm here. So what am I going to do? What can I be a part of that's going to last forever? So what if I told you that there are certain things that you could do that you can invest in that's going to last for eternity? Everybody in here would want to make those investments. So, so let me give these to you, okay? you got three blanks there. What can you invest in? Number one is time. 
You can invest in time. I love the psalmist puts it this way. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This is living with eternity in mind. The psalmist is is, is telling us, Lord, remind me, teach me, help me understand. Help me remember every day how limited this time is that we have on earth. So remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. So that maybe I'll start thinking about how I can make the most of the time that I have now. I got a picture to share uh, to show you. I saw this this past week. Some of y'all saw this on the news. Um, this was so cool. This was such a cool story. Um, I went to school in Lexington uh, for seminary, so I know how important uh, Kentucky uh, Big Blue Nation is for basketball. Um, and this guy came straight out of the coal mine because him and his son had tickets uh, for the game. So he didn't have time to do anything, though. He came straight out of the coal mine. He didn't have time to shower. He didn't have time to, to change. He didn't even have time to put on any Kentucky blue. He didn't have time to get the soot off of his face. He grabbed his son, and he got to this game. Why? Because time, time invested in his son was what was most important. And then Coach Calipari, he saw this, and he's actually the one that took a picture of it, and he posted it online, the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, And he invited this guy back to another game where him and his son could have the VIP treatment. And it was so cool to see. You know, when we ask ourselves this question like, how can I make the most of my time? Here's what you do. Making the most of your time is investing in relationships. When it comes to time, where are you investing it? Are you wasting it in things that don't matter? Are you putting it in people? Those people that were created for eternity, those relationships that God has entrusted to you, that's where you can invest your time. Another way to invest in eternity is to invest our treasure. Matthew 6.20 puts it this way. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now, the problem is when it comes to what we treasure, we treasure the wrong thing. We put, we put all of our treasures in the wrong places, right? The, the fact is you can't take that car or that home or that stock portfolios. You can't take all of that with you. It's not possible. So while we're here, we don't need to waste what we've been given on stuff that's just broken. Stuff that lasts, that doesn't last. We've got to look for ways to invest our finances so that it is making an impact for the message of Jesus Christ right here, right now. Do you know that making an investment with your finances to purchase PJs is a great way to invest your money? Those of you that purchased PJs for clinic care, foster ministry, and brought those this morning, some of y'all, I know you left them at home or you left them out in your car. That's okay. We're going to be collecting them all week this week at our office. But when you do that and you choose to treasure, put your money in those treasures, a child is going to receive those PJs. They're going to be told that that comes from a church family that loves them. That's an investment for eternity. When you choose to invest in tithes and offerings to your church family so that message can continue to get out there and to make an impact, that's investment in eternity. There is nothing better to invest your treasure in than those places that are going to affect the lives of other people. It all comes down to relationships. Those investments that impact other people for the kingdom of God. And then the other thing you can invest in is your testimony. Is your testimony. 
First John chapter five puts it this way. John says, this is my testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is found in his son. I love it. This is my testimony. This is my story. This is the gospel message. God has given us eternal life, but that eternal life, it comes. It only comes through Jesus. This is just a way John was telling his readers, your story is important. The stories you share are important. And you know what's crazy is that we share stories all the time, but we share stories about other things that make an impact on our lives. We get so excited about this place or that place or this restaurant that we went and ate at or this movie that we just saw and it was so good and it just moved me, right? Like we see those things, we share that story and we move the heart of somebody else to where they want to experience it. How often are we sharing our testimony, our story of what Jesus Christ has done in our life? Because if we want to talk about eternity, if we want to talk about making investments in eternity, sharing that story, mm, it's important. We are called to make an impact in the lives of other people. So living with eternity in mind means that we make internal investments with our time, our treasure, and our testimony. And then the last thing I want to bring up real quick is just this idea that eternity is a reality. Eternity is a reality. But I want to keep this personal. I want to talk about what this means for you. To make sure that you understand that this is something that we believe in. That this is something that we hold true. Hebrews 9.27 puts it this way. It is in the plan that all men die once. And then after that, they're going to stand before God and be judged. So being reminded of your eternity is crucial for two reasons. Number one is before death. Like when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that eternal relationship that you have with God the Father, it begins today and it just transitions into the next life. And all the blessings, I've been in this Bible study with our group on Ephesians and we've been talking about Ephesians is written to the church to help you understand all the riches and all the blessings that's been given to you by God. But we don't receive those blessings until we receive him. Like when we receive Christ into our life, we begin those blessings right now that last into eternity. We begin to see the hints of what's ahead for us in heaven. But we don't receive those benefits. We don't receive them until we receive him. We got to do that first. Before death, it's important to understand the blessings that come with understanding that there's eternity for us. And then after death, Paul reminds us that we're judged. And you're going to be eternity in one of two places. You're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. Okay, and I get questions all the time What's heaven like? What's hell like? What's it going to be like? And you know what? Scripture doesn't have a whole lot to say about either place. You can go look up. You can go home and Google all the pieces of Scripture that talk about both of those places. But here's what I want you to know about those two places. Heaven is in the presence of God and hell is the absence of God. Heaven is in his presence. Hell is without his presence. And we cannot begin to imagine how great it's going to be to be in the presence of God. And in the same, on the flip side of things, you can't imagine how bad it's going to be to not be, to have no presence of God whatsoever. That always brings up the question, like, why is there even a place like that? 
Like, why does God even, why, why is that even an option? If he's a loving God, then why isn't everybody in his prayer? And, and here's the deal. It comes down to free will. Living with eternity in mind means that you get the right to choose where you want to spend eternity. And listen, if you, if you don't want to be with God, he's not going to force you to be with him. He's not going to make you live in eternity with him if you choose not to. But he chose you. He chose you to love you. He chose you with eternity in your heart to know that that's what's happening. He chose you. And not only that, he made everything possible for you to choose him. Because here's the, here's, here's the deal. You can't be in eternity with God on your own because we all suffer from the same thing. Since the beginning of time, we all have a sin problem. And you can't have sin and be in the presence of a holy God. It's not possible. And God, it says, even before he created, he knew that this was going to be a problem. So he set the wheels in motion to provide a way for us to be in his eternal presence. Knowing that that sin would have to be taken care of. And the only way for that to happen is for a sacrifice. So instead of us dying for the sin, instead of us dying for that sin, he sent his son to take that payment for us, to get rid of that sin, to cover that sin problem that we have, so that we, so that our lives, as Paul says, are just swallowed up. We just simply transition from this life into the next life to be in the presence of God. He created a way to make it possible to be with him. Praise God. So let me close this out. For some of you here this morning, you believe in Christ, you've accepted him as your savior. And, and, and you just want to know, like, what do I do with this? Let, let, let me leave you with this thought. Do you think about eternity? Like, do, do you think about it? Because it's in our creed. It's the last thing we talk about. Maybe that's something that should be the most, a fresh thing on our mind every day. And if that's the case, then maybe it causes us to question like what we do and how we live on a daily basis, right? Do I see the worth of everyone? Do I see the eternal worth in everyone that I come across? No matter where I am, no matter what they've done to me, do I see how worth that God sent his son to die even for them? Am I looking for ways to make eternal investments? I hope so. It's important. And for those of you that maybe are teetering on this whole Jesus thing, let, let me just ask you to personally consider eternity today. Like there's two options for you. Either death will destroy you or you can allow Jesus to destroy death for you. So if you're here today and you're confused about eternity and you're not really sure whether death is going to take you into his presence or outside of his presence... We confirm that up right here and right now. So let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for eternal life that's been given to us. God, for what you've done for us. That you actually created a way for us to be in your presence forever. To not be separated. We, we deserve to be separated from you, God. We do. 
We don't deserve to be in your presence after what we've done. We cannot stand before a holy God. So praise Jesus that he came and that he died so that we can be given a new life. So God, just help us to live with that understanding. God, may that just kind of change who we are and how we live. God, just help us to be reminded that eternity is a reality. God, that means it changes how we love you. It changes how we love others. It changes how we invest our lives here and now. Help us. Help us to look for ways to just just invest in your kingdom. And with all that being said, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you want that assurance of God's salvation today, knowing that you you can be in his presence forever. Let's pray this together. Just pray, Jesus I want to ask for forgiveness. I want you to come into my life and begin that eternal relationship with me. I want to be in your presence forever. And as much as I know how, I'm going to start living for you. Jesus, thank you for those that have just prayed that. Thank you again for this gift of eternity. May we... Just live for you each and every day. We give you everything we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.